Hello, you're with Dr. Deborah Campbell for the Couch Podcast. Each session on the couch, we look at answering life's tricky questions, and you can send yours in to me via the link in the show notes. I am going to talk about Married at First Sight 2018 Australia again today uh, for the second time because so many people are talking about it. And I'm not just talking about it for fun and reflection because there's plenty of that out there to read and, and, uh, and listen to. I'm wanting to talk about it from the therapist's point of view because we see some shows in which therapists and the therapeutic process is shown to be something that is really useful and helpful to people that helps to move them forward in their lives and to assist them with very, very difficult and traumatic things, which is ideally what it is. I'm thinking, for example, of Big Little Lies, the recent series where Nicole Kidman won an award, Reese Witherspoon, host of um, of great stars and actors in that show and a wonderful representation of therapy for uh, the child in the show who is experiencing trouble and uh, and for a couple and uh, Nicole Kidman's character. In complete contrast to the way that I think therapists and therapy or experts as we call them in Married at First Sight, in complete contrast to that positive and I think very affirming view of, uh, of mental health professionals, we have what we're seeing in Married at First Sight and it worries me. It worries me how the experts come across, the matches they've made and the reasons they give when questioned about those matches. They're not very in-depth reasons. They're not uh, reasons for uh, provoking much thought or comfort about why these matches were made and the advice given, I have found to be at times a little troubling. I'll explain. I'm thinking particularly of not just one but two couples, Justin and Carly and Sean and Blair. They're the two that most come to mind, although I think other couples too were also asked by the experts, particularly by expert Trish, to get more intimate with each other. And I think at one point, even encouraged to have sex, I was really worried by this, not because of the sex, but because it was very clear, I think, to all of us out here and would have been, I would have thought, just as clear to the experts that those couples were not into each other or at least one member of each of those couples if not both, in the case of Justin and Carly, really were not feeling a sexual connection or interest, were not feeling a vibe with the other person. So then to encourage them with the kind of intimacy exercises that Trish gave to Justin and Carly, lying on the bed, stroking, all these kind of intimacy exercises, these are appropriate for couples who have had the spark or who love each other or have felt very in love at times and had some kind of sexual relationship or are wishing to. Intimacy exercises are not for people who don't fancy each other. Why? Because sex is not for people who don't fancy each other. I was 
absolutely horrified to see people who were quite clearly telling us that at least one of them wasn't feeling it, being encouraged to take it further. Because what's that going to do? What's it going to mean? The answer is really simple. You don't have to be an expert to understand that. Somebody's going to get horribly, painfully, heartbrokenly hurt. That is indeed, of course, in the case of Sean and Blair, exactly what happened. Sean was telling us, I don't feel it that way. I'm not into it. They had sex at the encouragement after the commitment ceremony at the encouragement of the panel and Blair ended up brokenhearted. Not good advice, experts. Then there's Ash and Troy. Ash has also been encouraged to allow more intimacy with Troy. Again, big no. We can see pretty much from, from pretty, pretty close at the start of that relationship that Ash is not feeling Troy in a sexual way. She's not into him as a boyfriend, husband, partner. She has trouble even liking him as a person, although for others he may be highly likable. He doesn't seem to be at all likable to her. She's highly critical, it's toxic, and it's not appropriate for her to be encouraged to be intimate with her with him if she is not feeling it. And clearly she's not. What Ash needs to be encouraged not to do is to criticize. Ash needs to pull back the criticism and understand that whether he's a lover or a friend or the next door neighbor, criticizing is not going to make a happy relationship. So removing the criticism would have been a lot better guidance than trying to push intimacy when something about the other person really turns you off. That's going to a very bad place and it is the definition of mixed messages. Yeah, speaking of, of mixed messages, haven't we seen a lot with Tracy and Dean? It's all over the place. Tracy, big lesson for you. You have to believe in the red flags when you see them. You saw them. You couldn't have missed them. They were really thrust in your face. You must listen to the red flags. You must observe the red flags. You must own the fact that they're there and not try to pretend that it's all okay. There was nothing worse than watching you say to Dean's friend, the, the girlfriend, Michelle, I think, his, his female friend, there was nothing worse than watching you say that you can handle Dean. I don't think so, Tracy. I don't think you can because I don't think he wants to be handled. I think he's doing his own thing. And any uh, thinking you can handle him is just an illusion. That's my reading of it anyway. And if you want some evidence for why that reading's correct, well, as he got together with the boys, Dean showed that his loyalty to you was not strong and that his way of speaking about you was still less than respectful. So there'll be more red flags coming your way. Other red flags flying in the breeze with, with great velocity, <laughs> flapping everywhere, uh, surrounding NASA. And Gabriel knows. You're not silly, Gabriel. You saw them, but you decided you wanted to stay on your terms. Okay, that's reasonable. 
but uh, you are putting yourselves through a bit there by the looks of it. I hope it, uh, I hope it stays kind between you because there is a lot of that toxic criticism coming in on both sides too. And again, we can't encourage intimacy where people are not into each other and not feeling a sexual vibe. It just doesn't work. Telvin Sarah, the sexual vibe obviously does work there, which is beautiful, but huge lesson. And coming in really early at the start of your relationship, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Classic Dr. Phil quote. It was just written all over your situation because from where we were sitting out here, it didn't look like very much happened between you to make you plummet into, well, just leave then. All right, I think I will. I'll hold the door open. It didn't take much. If it was just Telv looking at his phone a bit too much, it would have been, or going to the gym, doing his own thing a bit too much, whatever it was, causing you to feel a bit insecure and distanced. Sarah, that would have been pretty easy, I imagine, to handle. You didn't handle it well. You handled it in a way that created drama and brought you more pain than satisfaction. How could you have handled it differently? Quite simply, to have calmly and lovingly gone to Telv in a quiet moment and asked him, honey, can you please help me with something? I'm feeling a little bit left out and a little bit insecure sometimes. So I want to own that. Sometimes I get a little bit afraid because I really, really like you. Do you think we could work on uh, how we're spending our time a bit more cooperatively? Because sometimes I'm just starting to feel a little bit left out, like you're on your phone and not hearing me sometimes, like in the taxi the other night, and you're going to the gym without saying to me, where you're going or did I want to come? So could we just communicate a bit more about what we want to do with our time, work it out cooperatively? You still do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. But make sure we do it in a way that doesn't make the other person feel rejected or left out. He's not going to go nuts over that and think you're trying to control his life and criticize him, tell him off and be mean to him. He's going to understand. So that's a three-step process. Own your feelings. I feel a bit insecure, right? Takes a bit of self-reflection and a bit of courage to own your feelings. Say what you think it's about. It's it happens because sometimes we don't talk about what we're going to do during the day, rah, rah, or one of us is on our phone, rah, rah, and ask for something that would help solve it for you. Can we talk about that? Can we go to the gym together? Can we be mindful of looking at our phones when we could be talking to each other? Okay, not too hard. Doesn't have to wreck family dinner. John and Melissa seem to be a lovely couple, although kind of quite different in styles and I imagine in lifestyles. Similar values, I think, seem to be both nice people. I don't hear you criticizing one another, which is so, so hugely positive. However, I would say this, John, if you like her, if you want to be with her, Time is ticking. We don't have forever. When you're in your 50s, if you want to have a long-term relationship, you better get on to it. 
So I think, John, tell her how you feel if you really like her. Keep telling her, I really, really like you. Keep telling her, I think that this is going to work. I think we can be together. I think this can be wonderful. Don't worry about whether you can or can't live on the Mornington Peninsula yet. If you get it all happening between you, these things tend to be, be figureoutable. Finally, I want to mention Pat and Charlene. Charlene, you sounded critical of him. And you know the thing you were criticising him for? Being too emotional, maybe being a bit insecure, maybe a bit clingy, maybe a bit needy? We haven't seen that. So that's news to us out here. It hasn't really come across. It sounds really nitpicky from out here. And it sounds like you're criticising in Patrick the thing that 90% of women wish so much they could have more of in a relationship. They want their man to be vulnerable. They want their man to be emotionally intelligent. They want their man to be uh, able to name his emotions and share them with with um, with us. They They want that. They want him to have an emotional language. And Pat is actually wonderful at it. He sat Telv down and he said, Telv, just be the bigger man, just say sorry. He was basically doing a Dr. Phil and saying, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And it was the exact right advice. Patrick is emotionally intelligent and he's coming across really well. So I would say, Charlene, take the criticism down a notch and be really glad that you've got someone who feels, who's loyal, who's kind and who stands up for other people who aren't present when others are talking behind the backs of those who they're supposed to be on the same team with. I hope this has been an insightful rundown on where I'm at with Married at First Sight. I want to see more from the experts. They're the ones I really want to stand up and come forward and show us what it is to help people with relationships, to support people in relationships. I've read somewhere in the press that they say that's not their role, that they're there to observe like researchers in an experiment. Well, okay, if that's the case, why have we seen John and Trish go in with exercises and counselling? We've got a bit of a blurred line there. So let's work that out. If we're helping these people, we need to help them a bit better. That's my take on it. My opinion I'm Dr. Deborah Campbell, and I'll see you next time on the couch. If you want more from me, pick up a copy of my book, Love Lands, on Amazon or Audible.